Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHMLP Ravenswood, West Virginia. I'm dropping the hammer. No, you're not. Welcome to Speed Zone, the best motorsports show on radio. I'm your host, Ben Cower, and across the next hour, we'll recap everything. Yes, everything in racing that happened in the last week. We'll discuss the latest news and cap it all off with a star-studded interview. So buckle up, rev your motor, and drop the hammer, because this is Speed Zone. And welcome everybody to this weekend or this week's episode of Speed Zone. I'm Ben Cower, your host. And we got a jam-packed show for you tonight. Again, uh, no interview this week, but again, we got a good panel. We're going to be talking NASCAR. There's plenty to talk about. Uh, go over the Formula One stuff, everything going on this upcoming week. It's a pretty packed plate of racing this upcoming weekend. A lot on Saturday. You're going to hear about that in a moment. But uh, yeah, a lot on tonight's show and a lot to talk about. So let's get right into it. Let's get right into Flag to Flag. Welcome to Flag to Flag, a recap of the week that was in motorsports, as Ben Cower covers everything you might have missed in this past week of racing action. All right, let's see if I can do this in six minutes. I don't know if I'm going to beat the bed, but you know what? Let's try. Let's jump straight into it with the Truck Series at Atlanta. It was a triple header for the uh, for NASCAR this weekend in Atlanta, starting out with the trucks. And it was Christian Eckes uh, finishing where he started Saturday's event in first place. Again, this is the Craftsman Truck Series. Eckes claimed his second-ever victory in the Truck Series at overtime choosing the bottom lane and front row position on a restart on uh, or on the final restart lap 136 of 137 Eckes led the first 30 lap stage of the race wire to wire but he sped on pit road and spent the rest of the event working his way back to the front in a race that featured a record 11 cautions for 58 laps it was the driver of the number 19 Chevrolet restarting 13th on lap 103 but three yellow flags later was on the inside of the front row besides leader and white flag or ultimate runner-up finisher Nick Sanchez for the overtime restart. Eckes surged ahead off that restart, took the white flag and the lead and was out front when NASCAR called the final caution of the race for a wreck in turn four involving Tyler Ankrum, Stuart Friesen and defending series champion Zane Smith. John Hunter Nemechek ran third after leading a race-high 53 laps to Eckes' 35. It was Nemechek who had the lead for the restart on lap 121 but got shuffled back in traffic. Bailey Curry finished fourth, earning his first NASCAR National Series Top 5. Ben Rhodes came home fifth, albeit with a torn-up truck, after giving former teammate Eckes the winning push to the lead. Now on to the Xfinity Series, and with the Xfinity Series at Atlanta, I might as well just write the same recap every time it visits the track, because Austin Hill was yet again the race winner. He's a perfect 3-for-3 three three at Atlanta since the reconfiguration last year, and the win was his third of the season in just five races. Hill led three times for a race-high 103 laps and dominated an event that featured a record 12 cautions for 68 laps. NASCAR called the final yellow on the last lap, after a multi-car wreck erupted as Hill and second place Daniel Hemrick approached the finish line. 
Parker Kligerman put up one heck of a challenge to Hill until the cars entered the front stretch dogleg on the last lap and coming to that checkered flag. At the end of that two-lap dash to the finish, Kligerman's Chevrolet was turned sideways by Hemrick into the side of Hill's car, almost wrecking them both. But it was Kligerman sliding across the finish line backwards and Hill taking the victory. Kligerman slid backwards across that finish line in fourth as Ryan Truex edged him for the third spot by one thousandth of a second. Riley Herbst rounded out the top five. Josh Williams also parked his car at the start-finish line in the middle of the event. We'll talk about that later in tonight's show. Now on to the Cup Series, the Ambetter 400. You might have taken a nap during the first two stages of Sunday's NASCAR Cup race, but the third stage was rather exciting and fitting, as the most dominant driver of the day, Joey Logano, scored the victory. Uh, Logano won the first stage, or led the first stage, wire to wire, leading the first 63 laps. Then in stage two, he finished second to Team Penske teammate Austin Sindrick. All told, Logano led 140 of the 260 laps. Talk about dominance. After two relatively placid stages where single-file racing predominated, the intensity increased exponentially as the end of the race approached. On lap 190, one lap after Kevin Harvick, took the lead for the first time. Chastain, Ross Chastain that is, pulled up close behind Harvick in the draft. Harvick's number four Ford broke loose and triggered a massive wreck on the backstretch that involved 14 cars, involving defending race winner William Byron, who was seeking his third straight cup victory of the season. 19 laps later, a five-car accident off of turn four, triggered when one of the then-leader Eric Almirola's tires went flat, knocked Almirola, Kyle Larson, and Daniel Suarez out of the race. Logano clung to the bottom lane as RFK Racing's Brad Keselowski dominated the long green flag run to close out the race, losing on the final lap as former teammate Joey Logano took advantage of a bad block by Keselowski and slid past to take the lead and the win. Kislowski was second despite leading over 40 laps, and Christopher Bell was third. Corey LaJoy finished a career-best fourth, followed by Tyler Reddick with yet another top five after a miserable start to the season. Now on to the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix in Formula One, and it was Sergio Perez and Red Bull dominating the Grand Prix, of which in the running order was very similar to the season opening race. Max Verstappen had to work his way through the field, but ultimately finished in second place. Fernando Alonso had an electric start, but the stewards awarded him a five-second time penalty for lining up on the grid wrong. But Alonso persevered to earn his 100th podium in Formula One, finishing third controversially over fourth place George Russell. There's some debate after the flag if Russell finished third due to the time penalty, but ultimately Formula One decided that Alonso finished third. Mercedes, Mercedes teammate Lewis Hamilton finished fifth, with the Ferrari duo of Carlos Sainz Jr. and Charles Leclerc taking sixth and seventh. Alpine's duo of Ocon and Gasly f finished eighth and ninth, with Kevin Magnussen scoring the first point of the year for Haas in tenth. A heartbreaker for Yuki Tsunoda, who ran top 10 for most of the event in his AlphaTauri, but was regulated to 11th. Lance Stroll and Alex Albon were the only two cars to DNF, with Stroll having motor issues and Albon losing power midway through the event. And, you know, I didn't quite beat the bed today. We got about eight seconds left. This guitar solo keeps on going on, but you know what? We got a couple short races to cover. Now we're on to the 12 hours of Sebring, where the overall winner was the Action Express Racing number 31 Cadillac. Pippo Durrani 
was the overall winner as he led or he was in the car for the longest amount of time in the mobile one 12 hours of sebring for a fourth straight or a fourth time again on saturday night topping the results with co-drivers jack aitken and alexander sims as action express racing inherited the victory arguably after a crash amongst the top three after with less than 20 minutes remaining in the race it was again it was the number 31 cadillac starting from the pole but bounced around in the gtp field during the 12-hour race of attrition but it was aitken who was the endurance driver for action express uh running fourth when wayne taylor racing crashed with both the porsche penske motorsport entries again with only 20 minutes left in this 12-hour race it was felipe albuquerque in the uh wayne taylor racing acura who tried to squeeze inside uh, Matthew Geminet for the lead who was in the Penske Racing Porsche but Geminet had to swerve low to avoid lap traffic in contact with Albuquerque or Albuquerque, excuse me, knocked the Acura off the track. Albuquerque sped through the grassy turn and returned to the racing surface and slammed directly into Geminet and it caused a multi-car crash that collected Felipe Nazar who was running third in the second Penske or Porsche Penske Motorsport entry. So, Penske takes the victory in the Cup Series, but it was a rough go of it in the 12 hours of Sebring, again with a victory going to the number 31 of Action Express Racing. In the world of Outlaws, the low-E Insulation Spring Showdown at Pigeon Hills is on March 18th. The race winner was Rico Abreu. That'll close up flag to flag. I told you it was not very long after, but I still had a race and two to go. So I'm going to take a quick break and uh, get my breath back. And when we come back after this short break, what's up this week? There's going to be a lot going on this weekend. Let me tell you all about it right when we come back here on Speed Zone. To be fully fit, you have to be physically fit. You also have to be mentally fit. I wish that more warriors would realize how important it is that you get the psychological support that you need so that you can focus on the rest of your life. I think it takes strength in order to admit that you have an issue, but it also takes intuitiveness of a friend, a leader, a supervisor to pick up on the signal that the soldier is having issues and needs to seek professional help in dealing with it. It's also important for the lowest possible levels of leadership to be very supportive in helping their members get the help that they need. When I went to get help, I had more help than I could have asked for from my entire command. It's sometimes challenging to come to a senior staff member or senior officer in the unit with a problem. There's not a commanding officer out there or a leadership staff out there that doesn't want to help. So don't hesitate. Come ask. Learn more by visiting www.realwarriors.net or calling 1-866-966-1020. And welcome back, everybody, to Speed Zone. I'm Ben Cower, the host, and now we're on to the segment, What's Up This Week? Yeah, we got a lot of racing this weekend. We'll start out with Friday. Friday has the first of two World of Outlaws events this weekend, with the Talladega Sprint Car Showdown at the Talladega Short Track taking place again this Friday. Friday will be chock full of practice and qualifying for NASCAR's weekend at Circuit of the Americas in Texas, uh, with the track hot from 2 to 7 p.m., including the Xfinity Series and Truck Series qualifying. There will also be Cup Series practice earlier on that day. It won't be televised. Saturday is going to be the most busy day of this weekend in racing. 
We're kicking off with the Cars Tour. It's back in action for its second race of the season at Florence Motor Speedway in South Carolina. This time it's just the late model stock cars, no pro late mods this week. And ARCA East, the ARCA Menards East Series, will have its first East Series only field uh, race of the season as it travels down to Five, Flag, Five Flags Speedway. And that race will begin again on Saturday night at 8 p.m. The Southern Modifieds, the Smart Tour, will actually will actually this time have its second race of the season on Saturday with the Warrior 100, was the Warrior 99, at Caraway Speedway after its last race date on March 12th, which would have been the Warrior 99 at Caraway, uh, was postponed due to weather. So they're just going to run that race this weekend. Uh, the World of Outlaws has its second race of the weekend after, you know, Friday's race in Talladega uh, with the Black Ice Brawl at Magnolia Motor Speedway in Columbus, Missouri. And it's also a doubleheader for NASCAR on Saturday as the first road course races of the season for the Craftsman Truck Series and the Xfinity Series are back-to-back with the trucks at 1.30 p.m. and the Xfinity Series race at 5. Cup qualifying is right before both events at 11.30 a.m. And Sunday is reserved exclusively for the NASCAR Cup Series this weekend with the Cup regulars and some international all-stars such as Jensen Button and Kimi Raikkonen, both formerly of Formula One, joining the field to face off in the first road course race of the season. Tune in. Things kick off at 3.30 p.m. Eastern again on Sunday. And that'll do it for uh, what's up this week. There's a lot going on. Sundays, just only NASCAR. Saturday, <laughs> pick one. Pick two. Pick a lot of things to watch because there's a lot going on. And when we come back, we're going to have the Racing Roundtable. Two panelists and myself going to talk all about racing, specifically about NASCAR stuff. This past weekend in Atlanta, uh, last weekend we didn't have a show. It was spring break here. Uh, so we'll talk maybe a little about a bit about the last week and a half and then also preview Coda, uh, Circuit of the Americas this upcoming weekend. Talk all about racing up next here on Speed Zone. After the phone interview, I assumed the apartment was mine, but when I got to the place and the manager saw me, he told me it was no longer available. My husband and I wanted to see all the neighborhoods with great schools, but our real estate agent only showed us the communities where she thought we would be more comfortable. I was so excited to move into my new place, but now that I'm here, I found out that the landlord is charging me higher rent than my neighbors. Now that doesn't make me feel very welcome. These individuals may have experienced housing discrimination. The Fair Housing Act prohibits discrimination because of race, color, national origin, religion, sex, disability, and familial status. If you've experienced discrimination, call 1-800-669-9777 or visit www.hud.gov fairhousing. Live free from housing discrimination. If you don't want to listen, get your earplugs ready, because we're about to hear some high-octane debate. It's time for the Racing Roundtable, with your host Ben Cower and multiple guest panelists. Whew. Now that that's over, who's at the table today? 
That's right, it's the Racing Roundtable. We're back, and we have two panelists this week. Sadly, no Dale Garrett. It'll be our first episode without Dale. He couldn't make it tonight, but you know what? It doesn't matter. We have a great panel tonight returning to the show. Sean Kelly and also Justin Zimmer. Thanks, guys, for coming on tonight. You guys excited? I'm excited. Uh, Manager's pretty good. I, we, we have to live up to it now. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm taking Dale's. I'm taking Dale's usual usual seat. So yeah, I've, Dale. Uh, yeah, Dale's been here every episode until tonight. He uh, had to he had some schoolwork because we are students. You know, we are students running this show. We're not professionals. I don't know if you thought I would be a professional. You know, Soon to be. Hopefully, yeah. maybe. I figured you'd be a professional. Maybe. Yeah. I hope so. All right, let's just get into it, guys. Let's get into it. Okay. You, you know that sound effect. You know what that means. It's our first topic of the night. Let's talk all about Atlanta this past weekend. Uh, that's right. It was a triple header in Atlanta for NASCAR this weekend. A lot happened. Uh, <laughs> good, bad, boring, exciting. Really everything you could name it. It probably happened this week. And uh, let's talk about it. What was... Uh, your biggest takeaways from this weekend, guys? I mean, my biggest takeaway is simply just the dominance of Joey Logano in, in that race. 139 laps led of 140. I mean, he led all of the stage one laps. He was always in the top 10 in that race. It was just, I mean, from a fan's perspective, maybe not the best for me as I'm not a Joey Logano fan, but it was nice to see... Uh, it was nice to see Brad Keselowski up there as, as as well. He had a he had a great day as well. And anything else, I mean, we're just going to talk about later in terms of the Chastain and Harvick incident. But mm-hmm. other than that, it was just the Joey Logano dominance that really stuck out to me. I'd say Corey LaJoy, top five finish. I think that kind of comes out of nowhere. You know, I think if you spire motorsports, you're like, oh, they're going to be down all the way at the bottom. They're not going to have any – they don't have top ten equipment. And he, in a race, gets up in the top – top 10. I mean, Toyota, dominant performance. He got four drivers in the top 10. So I think Toyota had a great weekend, but Corey joy career effort and not a Hendrick driver, but using that equipment to get all the way up in, into the top five, and I think that's a great finish for him. And looking at it now, last year, in the same spring Atlanta race, he had a similar great finish, too. He finished he finished fifth in Atlanta yeah, last year Yeah, top five well, last year. So. And then in the summer, was so close to winning. He was uh, he was leading on the final lap there, and then just <laughs> he was in Brad Keselowski's spot uh, this weekend. Uh, I guess last summer in July, where uh, it was LeJoey leading, uh, coming to the finish or coming past the white flag, and then heading into turn one, just had to throw a block on Chase Elliott, and then just it just didn't work. And then uh, Elliott ended up winning the race, and then it was heartbreak for LeJoey, but again. Another great run at Atlanta. Uh, LaJoey's proven to be a pretty good plate racer these past few years. I mean, had a good run at Daytona, too, this year. Uh, and in years past with Spire. And, uh, but, yeah, I mean, another top five for LaJoey. Talk about a career run. I mean, next, agree with that. Next, next race during the summer or next year even, I wouldn't be surprised if LaJoey's up there again and yeah. potentially gets his first win in Atlanta. If there's any track that he could do it, it's most likely Atlanta from what we've seen. They'll be racing there again in July. Yep. So it'll be a night race there again. Uh, last year it was a night race. This this year, uh, sparing the fans a little bit of the Atlanta heat in July. But this will be nice and slick. 
<laughs> oh yeah, it'll, yeah. Like, it'll oh, still be hot, Lana. Yeah, it'll still be great racing. It'll still be great racing. Uh, I'm sure Corey LaJoy will want it to be exactly the same as it's been the last few times. Uh, again, he's he's run great here every single time they've run. So, uh, yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, LaJoy had a great run. Um, really, anything else from uh, the Cup race that really stood out to you guys? I just thought Toyota great performance. And you look at Toyota. I mean, we kind of always kind of. It's kind of interesting. Like Toyota's either they're either all good together or they're all bad together. Yeah, and, and they're all up at the top five together. And, and then the road course, they'll all be at the bottom together. So mm-hmm. the thing is, you have one manufacturer. All all, all their cars were all in the top ten. So, I think that's a great. So do you think it'll be back? You said that Toyota, you know, not as great on road course. Do you think it's going to be back down on the yeah. roller coaster in the Circuit of the Americas next yeah, week? Yeah, I think you'll see them all back down. They'll all be together at the bottom of the, of the top twenty and below. Yeah. I don't know about that. I think it'll be they they like Truex will probably have a solid run. Um, I mean, the Kyle Busch was up there last year at Circuit of the Americas, but uh, well, he's Chevy now. He is Chevy now. Yeah, he can't be with the Toyota team anymore. No, he was in the top ten though. So he, he stayed with his old friends for a little bit. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. I, I think it'll be. I don't know. There's there's nothing else I could really think about at Atlanta. I mean, it was just the first two stages were really mid. They were they were not really that thrilling. Um, it was just dominance by Penske. I mean, like I said, Logano led every single lap of stage one. Yep. And then it was led just, near damn near every lap. It was in stage Ky- two. It was Kyle Busch on the on the start of stage two. I'm pretty sure. And then then uh, it and, was a three wide jockey for the position then it was Cindric who got the win in stage two but I mean Logano was up there yeah he was third I'm pretty sure in in stage two he was still up there in the top five everybody was just biding their time or it was just that single file racing along the it's the annoying train that'll happen at plate tracks at least in the cup series and Xfinity too where nobody really wants to you know make a move or risk it early which is fair uh I remember Dale, again, who's not here tonight, uh, mentioned Daytona weekend where we were discussing some of the the similar occurrence that happened in the it was the Xfinity race. But um, he's like, from a driver's perspective, it's the smartest thing to do. So it's understandable, but it's kind of lame for the fans. But stage three, I thought I thought was fairly entertaining. I remember talking about it. We talked about it in the beginning of the 500 I'm pretty sure too where it was that same sort of deal and then and sort of getting into the Chastain and Harvick stuff Yeah, you get all those laps where everyone's just single file not really making a move you get antsy after a while and then you know you start making a higher intensity move like what Chastain tried mm-hmm. to do with Harvick and that's what happens yeah you know we're let's have that as a topic <laughs> There was some drama during the race on Sunday where it was lap 190, said it in the recap. Uh, Harvick, Kevin Harvick, who got his first Cup Series win at Atlanta, it was his last springtime visit to Atlanta, and a lot of fans were thinking, hey, you know, maybe he'll have a shot to win, and was up front, had worked his way to the front uh, later, eh, yeah, I'd say like three-fourths of the way through the race, and was there. And then Ross Chastain gets up right behind him, had one heck of a run, and just was there contact? Was there no contact? It was close. Uh, 
what do you guys think about that? Justin, I know you wanted to talk about that. I just think it's the new car. Like, the new car just gets kind of loose. And I, I know Chastain's known for some bonehead moves at times. And mm -hmm. time moves, you're sitting there like, why? Like, okay, hell, Mellon. That, <laughs> well, it was a bonehead move that worked. Right. It, it, that, was, that was one that worked. But at the moment, you're like, why are you driving your car up against the wall and <laughs> taking it for a, a joyride? But, video game move? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, it's like, it's like like when you play the NASCAR video game, you, you I expect like a, that's that's where he got the inspiration a, a from. Yeah, yeah, fifteen year old to do that, not <laughs> not a professional race car driver. I think you know. Look, if the car naturally gets loose, it's gonna happen. I think also Kevin Harvick's on his no word I can't say on radio tour. <laughs> where mm -hmm. like he knows he's going to TV next year. He's like, I'm not gonna give any real. Attention to it. If, if, if a guy does something to me, I'm going to do something back to them. Kevin Harvick's going to remember this. Now, was it a smart time to do it? No, it, it, but he was getting antsy. You're getting near the end of the race. Guys get antsy. And th that's just what it was. It was just Ross Chastain looking for another hail, hail melon move, but using a different tactic this time than dri dri driving around the wall, which you can't do at Atlanta. Well, no, yeah, you, you can, but the bottom lane was the one that had the head of yeah. steam. So he was just using that bottom lane to his advantage. and He was coming in really hot on, yeah. on, Harvick's, on Harvick's back, too. <laughs> and I, I agree with you. I, I, don't, I don't think it was intentional by any means. And we all know Chastain has had a lot of moves in the past racing hard against against guys <clears throat> Hamlin uh, and <laughs> it hasn't really worked out that well for him but in this case I don't think it was intentional by any means it was just as I said before it was just Chastain and everyone else was just getting antsy and you want to make a move for the really the first point and first time in the race mm -hmm. and Justin like you said with how the cars are we've seen since the beginning that these cars get really loose really quickly compared to past past generations and that's just what happened it's just a mix of that and chastain just coming in too hot on the back of harvick and that's what happened my my take is that he just got arrow loose and you you guys get to hit the nail on the head where these cars are so arrow based where they're they're simple but at the same time i mean I'll take the word. This, this is from Denny Hamlin on his podcast. I mean, they, these cars are not easy to run even side by side with. There's, they, you start getting loose, um, and especially behind a car. I mean, you have such a head of steam. I mean, there's a little aero bubble. And Chastain, you watch the replay, he didn't even touch the four car. He got really close, but he didn't touch him. Uh, and Harvick just got loose and spun around and. I mean, the four car thought that Chastain ran into him. There was they were that close, and then it just it felt like he uh, it, it it felt like he got punted, but he didn't. And it was I don't know. Just uh, Chastain. Do I think he should have been making that aggressive of a move on the bottom with you know seventy over over seventy laps left? Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe not, but. If the race went green, because there was only one other caution after that, and that was a freak accident with Almirola's tire blowing, uh, took out some, and it, he was in the lead when that happened. Uh, outside of that, I mean, it was what like a 47 lap run all the way to the finish, so it was uh, 
if if Chastain was going for the move there, and then it happened to go green for the majority of the race to the finish, I mean that could have been a, not necessarily move for the win, but hey, you know, got to be up front. You saw how much of an advantage Logano had the whole race by being up front. This is especially with this package at this track. It's so hard to pass people, and you know, being up front's key. It was just not an ill-timed move by Chastain, but just unlucky. The one thing I'm going to, I'm, I'm wondering heading into these next couple weeks is, Justin, you mentioned earlier about Harvick is going to remember this. I mean, with the point that Harvick's at in his career, do you really think that Harvick's going with the aftermath of what happened with Chastain and Hamlin? Like, do you really think that Harvick's going to risk the the inevitable fine that comes with possibly wrecking Chastain on purpose? Like in the next couple of weeks, because I don't think so. I think at this, I, I, I think it, I, I, I think at this point, couple of weeks, it'll, be, it'll happen eventually. It might be like a little bump or something. It's nah. not gonna be a wreck. Harvick, Harvick didn't seem that torn up about it in the post race, no, even I mean, though it's his no f's given to her. No. Overall, in these past couple of years, he seemed to get a lot more mellow than he was earlier in his career. You have and to, that just comes with age and getting you have to wiser really, to how yeah. how to play the game, basically. You have to really wrong him for him to get angry at you. Like, the last time I think I saw Harvick furious at anybody was Bristol 2021, when he and Elliot were not <laughs> not being too friendly towards each other. Yeah, uh, That's the last time I think I've ever seen Kevin Harvick so angry at anything. And, you know, it's time... We'll keep it here at Atlanta, but it's time for another topic, and we can't not talk about it. Josh Williams, with the Showmanship Award of the weekend, uh, parked his car at the start-finish line during the Xfinity race in the middle of it. It was it was under yellow, so it's not like this happened under green, but uh, he was parked by NASCAR after a piece of debris flew off of his car. Uh, it, was, it was a piece of, of Bondo tape. It was so cold on Saturday evening that the tape literally was not sticking to the cars it flew off of his car was lying on the tr- was laying on the track and nascar decided to park him for it which i disagree with but uh clearly josh williams disagreed with it too parked the car at the start finish line got out and just left it there and walked across the infield grass and into his pit and had the uh famous quote what are they gonna find me i can't pay it so <laughs> josh william and then proceeded to have to sit in the nascar hauler for over two hours after that and got, i was visiting the principal's office yeah that's exactly what i was thinking <laughs> he got he got sent to the principal's office and had to wait for his you know his mom to call or whatever yeah oh my goodness what a what do you guys think about that? It's not something you see every day it's something you might see at like a short track maybe even in the cars tour but not here in the Xfinity series in Atlanta. I will say from a fan's perspective, it's certainly entertaining. And you talk about showmanship. While he was walking back, he's he's waving to the fans. He's 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 throwing up a, a like a heart with he's doing the heart with the hands in the behind the pit mm-hmm. wall. It was the best performance that he could have possibly <laughs> had there. But at the same time, I don't think NASCAR or Josh William and Josh Williams, I don't think either of them really made smart decisions on either end and first from nascar's yeah. perspective like i it, it wasn't the safest move by williams to 
park it right on the start finish line wall <laughs> and you see while williams is walking back the pace car and all the cars are moving past yep where he's at <laughs> at, the, at the start finish line yeah so that's not the safest move by him and i get that there has to be some sort of punishment there but at the same time it's such a gray area with the ruling of of parking or keeping him for multiple laps or just a pass through it, it's such a gray area and it's not really enforced concretely among like they didn't from from, from driver to driver it's such a case-by-case basis and i don't think here where it's more of a case of how the weather just turned out to be yeah it just doesn't seem like that's the scenario for it um but at the same time i just wanted to say real yeah. quick they didn't park brandon jones who drives for junior motorsports the same thing happened where his a piece of tape flew off his car and NASCAR didn't park the Junior Motorsports car, but it decided to park the DGM racing car of Josh Williams, which one team is owned by Dale Jr., and then the other is owned by Mario Goslin. You know, it's that's not Mario from Super Mario Brothers. It's like, you know, it's, it's Mario Goslin, Dale Jr. You know, there's going to be a little bit of bias there. Uh, it doesn't mean it's fair. I guess my point here is, from Josh Williams' perspective, I, I get... I completely understand why you do that, and I'm not going to say that if I was in his shoes, I would make a smarter decision than that either. Uh, either. But at the same time, you know, you joke about, oh, what are, what are they going to do? Find me? I can't pay that. Well, well, then maybe don't make a move that you're obviously <laughs> going to get fined for that you can't pay. But to be fair, Hamlin did say he uh, he did tweet on 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 Twitter that mm-hmm. he would pay the fine if it came down to that. Mm-hmm. I was a bit, I I didn't see it live. Yeah, I saw the highlight of. It. I'm like, oh, this is a joke. This has to be some <laughs> prank. There's no way a guy actually stepped. Like like you like you watch it. I, I was calling the game. The, sorry, I didn't get to see it live. But I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, there's no way this is real. Mm-hmm. I watched the replay. The guy's walking across, and I'm like. Like what are we doing? Like like what like okay what a bonehead display. We talk about bonehead moves. Way to campaign for most popular driver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's some way to boost your name in the polls. I mean, I mean that's a way to nominate yourself for for move of the century. Mm-hmm. Do I get why he's mad? Sure. I mean, you debris come. There's almost every race a caution for debris. Yeah. And almost every race you don't see the incident of someone has to park their car. Yeah, for tape falling off right. of it. Like it happens like it's been tire rubber. Oh caution. Yeah. You know, but you don't see I kind of liked it. I'll be honest with you. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I'm like I liked watching it. Yeah, it was, but it, was it, it you bold. know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh in a uh, Similarly to football, where Antonio Brown, uh, when they were playing the Jets, just walked off the field and took off his pads. It, so, it sort of reminds me of that, just the NASCAR equivalent of that, of something that you see and you go, this can't be real. This has to be like a like an impractical Joker's prank or, so, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, it, yeah, it, it just sort of reminds me of that, just like the NASCAR equivalent of that. Josh Williams was this weekend's biggest loser. I don't know if he was the biggest loser. I think <laughs> that was a joke. He, I was serious. No, no, but I'm serious. He might be the biggest winner of the weekend. Yeah. I he honestly, he honestly, guy might be the biggest winner. A lot more people know than who Josh Williams right. is now than before the race. Yeah, and a lot, 
I'm if sure his sponsors are pretty happy with it too. Like if you're in the Xfinity series, like you need to make a name for yourself mm-hmm. with fans. That's the tagline of the series. This is names, the perfect names are made here. That's yeah. what I. That's what I was going to say too. Is that certainly brings a lot more eyes to the Xfinity series. Possibly next week, you're probably going to see uh, more viewership towards the Xfinity race yeah. coming off of that incident. Casual viewers intrigued by what happened last weekend. Is somebody going to, I don't know, do jumping jacks on the in the middle of the road at, at Circuit of the Americas? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it was exciting. It was bold. It was stupid. It was incredible. It was everything. It was every word. Uh... Do I agree with the penalty that was assessed to Williams? He got suspended for the next race. Uh, do I agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I think everybody kind of knew that was coming. He's lucky that it wasn't worse. Uh, but uh, I, I agree with the penalty, and it doesn't really matter for Williams because he's not really known as much of a road course racer. It's going to hurt him in the point standings a little bit. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I, I think the punishment was fair. Uh, do I think the enforcement was fair? No. Uh, I think it's just silly that he got parked over a piece of tape coming off of his car. Uh, I, I disagree with that. I mean, especially when it was already a wreck fest of a race. There's things everywhere. Uh, but I think the penalty was fair, and I think the reaction was... I haven't seen anything like that since... Funny enough, it, it reminds me of Atlanta 2009... It was the cup race when there was that viral clip of the pit guy. It was on Marco Sambros' team, the 47, and he ran out. This was under green, which is what made it arguably worse. Uh, he ran out under green into the, the infield grass there on the front stretch to retrieve the tire that had rolled out of the pit box. And again, that was under green, and it brought out a yellow. And that guy, I think, ended up getting either fined or suspended or whatever. It was a bonehead move, you know, one heck of a crew guy to go out there and grab a tire during, you know, a car could go spinning through the grass at 200 miles an hour and clean him out, but uh, it was dangerous, but that's the only thing that that really reminded me of that I could think of, and it's funny, that was also in Atlanta, <laughs> uh, not a couple years apart, but what is it? I don't know. I think all the, it's, it's also funny that you mentioned Marcus Sambros. I think that was the same year that... There, uh, he was in the Sonoma race and he was leading for a majority of the laps and then during the caution he's going up the hill 2010 he, that was uh, the next that was year the next year yeah but, but he was yeah that was another <laughs> crazy move by him but yeah good but going back to the Josh Williams thing I mean if if you're going to park your car in the middle of the track in the middle of the race they're obviously going to suspend you for that so I agree with you a, a one race suspension is deserved for that even if it's entertaining to watch from a fan's perspective yeah that was that was certainly something on saturday i i mean the experience doesn't get great tv ratings either well no it it gets okay ratings but, but it's that that's gonna boost it a little oh, yeah. bit and it'll get some more eyes on the sport uh with things like that <laughs> uh and speaking of you know short track antics and such as you know josh williams whole stunt was on Saturday. Uh, Speaking of short tracks in general, North Wilkesboro, it's back from the dead. We've talked about it a little bit before, a couple episodes ago on this show, but uh, finally, 
things are starting to come together in North Wilkesboro. It's been uh, Speedway Motorsports Incorporated has put uh, a lot of money into it, coupled with some uh, tax funding from the state of North Carolina. And it's done a beautiful job of renovating this facility that has essentially sat dormant since 1996. It's just been sitting there rotting away. And uh, after that Cars Tour event there late last year, and a bit of that local initiative to bring racing back, now the All-Star Race is going to be there this year. And finally, for the first time uh, since 1996, there was cup cars on the same surface at North Wilkesboro this weekend. Again, a lot of money has gone into the track and modernizing it a little bit, but keeping it still the same way. Uh, I mean, just what's your guys' thoughts? I mean, North Wilkesboro back from the dead. The tire test, the drivers seem to love it. What are you guys' thoughts? Well, I was up there over the summer. I, 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 was up, I was doing a game up in Boone one day. It was a day game. And then I snuck over to North Wilkesboro on the way up, and I was like, well, let me come see this. Couldn't take pictures at the time, so I'm glad Ben. Someone was able to finally take pictures of it. I could. I, I didn't get that opportunity. I was kind of, you know, I. It's good. It's great to see it back. It's in an area where, it's in the middle of someone's backyard, literally. You're you're, you're going to be in someone's backyard, and it there's is. the racetrack. <laughs> there's a house that's like there's houses yeah, right there's, in the there, tree there, line. There's like a, no, there's a no trespassing sign mm-hmm. at the speedway. So I hate to say May twentieth to those owners. Everyone's going to trespass. Everyone's going to show up to watch the race at your house <laughs> it's going to be great for the community you know in Wilkesboro it, it's a small town it kind of needs this event to boost it so you know I think tracks I think the drivers are going to love it I think look is it going to be a points paying event no but I think it's going to least I think it's going to be a sold out crowd I think it's going to look great on TV and if the drivers love it I'm all for it I I will say about the the in someone's backyard thing it's it's, it's funny because the I remember reading about the Myrtle Beach Speedway, which mm-hmm. used to run Xfinity Series races back in the '90s, and that closed down because that was also right near people's houses, and too many people complained about there being too much noise, mm-hmm. and they stopped racing there. I, I don't think you're going to have that problem in North Wilkesboro with how no. the entire, <laughs> literally the entire economy was yep. before 1996 was based around those two NASCAR races those two NASCAR races of, yep. Wilkes, of Wilkes County so you're not going to see that problem track wise I also saw a lot of drivers like Austin Dillon for example say that the surface wasn't easy to race on there's mm-hmm. going to be lots of tire wear from what I heard drivers say in interviews similar to what Richmond was last year lots of tire wear or or like the the clash last year where there was it's only like sort of one lane not a lot of room to pass mm-hmm. sort of deal i mean i guess that's sort of expected with how old the surface is it's the i read this is the second only the second surface that's still around on the tracks that the late dale earnhardt senior mm-hmm. raced on before the only other one is dover yep. so this is the only remaining surface that he raced on i mean that's kind of expected with how old it is I'm excited to see how it'll turn out. It'll be certainly a test for the drivers of, of maintaining the car throughout 10, 20, 30 laps. Luckily, it's just the all-star race. So it's like they the runs are going to be not too long, and there's going to be more of an initiative to move people out of the way, uh, considering it's going to be for a million dollars. I think it's, it's like NASCAR is equivalent to the Field of Dreams. Where, I mean, that's been, you guys are baseball guys. Yep. I mean, this is, uh, 
the, the Field of Dreams game has been a massive success for the MLB over the last two years, and you have NASCAR. Not this year, though. We're not, we're not having one this season. Huh? There's not there's not one this season. It's been successful. I think I think this will be more successful than the Field of Dreams. Oh, okay. There we go. So why why like how so? I think the Field of Dreams game. I think I think the Field of Dreams game worked once. Mm-hmm. I think when we brought it back a second year. It's it kind of it's kind of like it lost its luster a little bit. Right. Like the first one was dedicated like as the movie. Then mm-hmm. like, you saw a lot. This I think is gonna be more. I think there's more of a positive impact. Beyond this, I think the field game dreams game. They should have done the one time and yeah, and then just left it. Yeah, I I think it's also sort of similar to Williamsport uh, when they had the little the little league classic as well at uh, yep. Bowman Field, which is a minor league ballpark. But that's another sort of not to go too deep into baseball, but that's also a field that is literally in the backyard of people's homes, uh, and that's another. Uh, place where a lot of the economy is sort of based around the Little League World Series coming around, so it's that's another similar sort of deal. But I think another thing I saw was a lot of people saying that since it's similar to Richmond last year, and a lot of fans hated the experience of watching that race, that it might be similar racing-wise. I think the fact that North Wilkesboro was Boro is returning for the first time since 1996, I think that's going to mask a lot of the possible issues actual racing wise now if they do this again the second time the third time then it's going to be a a deal where the luster of it being new is going to wear off and then people go okay the surface isn't that great we need to either do something here or stop the experiment but i think with it being the first time back it's going to that's going to bring a lot to it from my understanding the plan with Wilkesboro is that they I know Dale Jr. put a lot of effort into bringing this track back from the dead and he wanted the first he and uh, Mar- he and Marcus at the head of SMI wanted uh, Marcus Smith they wanted to run this first race back on the original surface where they're like okay because there's so much historical aspect to it where it was the last the last race of the track was run on this surface and then they want the first race back and really this whole weekend to be run on that same surface because remarkably (laughs) just a a year and a half ago it was like weeds everywhere there was half the track was grass and now it's a raceable surface again and i'm sure if if this service was you know they they kept it around for the next few years i mean could they maintain it probably but it's probably going to end up if they keep it around it'll end up like a martinsville or a daytona situation where the track's going to come up during a race and it'll damage a car and then it would be near impossible to fix the track during the race uh i think they're going to end up repaving it either after this year or I don't know. If the drivers really like it and it races well, then they'll probably try to keep it for another year. But I bet you they repave it as soon as they, A, have the money, which I think they already might, um, and or B, whenever there's a dud of a race, they're going to end up repaving it then. And I think it's just going to gradually, if the, as you said, if the Field of Dreams game kind of atmosphere kind of starts to fade a little bit at Wilkesboro, I think that's when you're going to see it get transitioned into a points race track where they're going to put that as a points race again instead of just as a all-star race. I think going back to the paving thing, if 
if the race is anything like what the tire test ended up being, where the, all the drivers say that it's a lot of tire wear and it's not in the best condition, but it's okay, then they're probably going to repave it. But if if it's more positive than than what we have now, I feel like they will keep the surface around for at least another year. But if it's, I feel like if if there's any sort of negative um, negative results racing wise then they're going to repave it for future races it's going to be fascinating to see how fast those tires fall off uh i mean the drivers had rave reviews for the surface but that doesn't always translate it could be incredibly fun for the drivers to run but that doesn't always translate into great racing for the fans to watch where wilkesboro has always been traditionally a very like bottom groove track where it's at least through three and four, it's always around the bottom lane. One and two is where you're probably going to see the majority of the passes on the track, especially heading down into turn one. Wilkesboro is such an interesting track that one end of it goes up and one end of it goes down, where it's on a hill. And there's maybe even more elevation change. It's funny, we'll talk about Circuit of the Americas in a few in, in a minute, but uh, the massive elevation change going up into turn one at Circuit of the Americas... Um, it's not that severe, but it's certainly it's unnatural. I can't think of any other oval track, at least in the Cup Series, that has such a weird, wonky, almost like conveyor belt type, like, I don't know, run to it, where the backstretch goes all the way up the hill, and then you shoot down out of turn four, and you're going all the way down the hill, and you got to get on the brakes to head into turn one so that you don't miss it. And then... Once you get on the brake setting to turn one, you get out of turn two, and then you got to build all that momentum back up heading up the backstretch. Uh, it's just going to be a fantastic test of driver and machine at the All-Star Race because I don't think anybody knows what to expect. None of these guys have run on this track before, uh, at least in cup cars. I mean, the only guys that I think have ever run on this race are or this actual surface, and it was... 12 years ago, 13 years ago, it was in late models, and it was like Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott are the only two guys. It was like 2010. They ran, 2010 or 2011, they ran late model races there. It was back when Chase Elliott was in the, I think he had Red Bull as a sponsor at that point in time. Uh, he was in his number nine late model, and then Ryan Blaney was also running there. Uh, but they had they held races there a while back, and it's again it's still the same surface. It's, it's incredible. But I think those are the only two guys that have actually run on this track before. And coincidence, neither of those guys were in the test cars uh, at the tire test this weekend. There's the only other one that I saw. There's footage of Kevin Harvick back when yes. he was in the 29 yes. uh, shell car mm-hmm. back in 2010. He raced at least a lap around North. They Wilkes did Boro. test there. Yeah. Was, RCR had a private test there back when that was allowed, uh, and they ran Harvick around the track for some laps in 2009 or 2010. But that's the last time that, like, at least a Cup car has been on the surface. And the last time there was ever a race with Cup cars was 1996. Just, just to put that in perspective, that's near what. That's 23 plus, yeah, that's 27 years. And then even then, in 96, this pavement was not new. 
It's been a long time since this pavement has been uh, repaved. I mean, it's going to be running. It's going to be like running on sandpaper. It's going to be uh, crazy. And but you know what? We'll talk about this upcoming weekend as we get near the end of the show. Circuit of the Americas. Yes, the Formula One track. It's hosting its third cup race. Last year was incredible. Uh, an insane finish. Ross Chastain ended up uh, scoring his first ever NASCAR Cup Series victory in a dramatic finish with A.J. Allmendinger and Alex Bowman. Uh, all those guys are going to be back hunting for the win this year. Uh, Bowman with the same crew chief. Greg Ives retired at the end of last year. Now he's back because of all the uh, penalties to Hendrick Motorsports that happened a week or two ago, but all those guys are back, and we have some fresh faces in the field. Kimi Raikkonen's back for a second go of the next-gen car in the Project 91 program for Trackhouse. Uh, he's a Formula One world champion. Uh, and then you have Jensen Button, also another Formula One world champion, making his NASCAR debut in uh, the 15 car for Rick Ware, air quotes around that. It's a Stuart Haas car, but it's in the 15. Uh, I mean, you got two Formula One world champions, and then you also add Jimmy Johnson to the mix, too. And it's going to be one heck of a race on, on Sunday. I mean, what do you guys think? What are you guys expecting from this race? From a fan's perspective, I'm excited to see how Chase Elliott does because Chase Elliott is always dominant on road course tracks and i'm also a chase elliott fan so that's that's why i say that but i think like we mentioned earlier with kyle bush running well in circuit of the americas last year now in a chevy car i think a lot of the chevys will have a, a solid performance in circuit of the americas this week but I, I think also another interesting thing is, uh, as you mentioned, Kimi Ra uh, Raikkonen mm -hmm. coming in for a second go. I think with the combination of this originally being a Formula One track and Raikkonen coming in, who knows if more F1 drivers are going to have a go around at Circuit of the Americas in the future. Mm -hmm. I think this is a good opportunity for NASCAR to bring in some more F1 of the F1 fan base, not just from the street race that's coming up during the summer, but with this as well. I, I think, you know, uh, Trackhouse 91 said that they were planning on having multiple drivers, and that might be another opportunity. We can see some F1 guys come in. I think that'll be interesting to see. And also the no, the whole no stage cautions thing. Yes, that, yeah. That confuses me because the thing that Elton Sawyer said was that when we he said when we introduced straight, uh, stage racing we took an element of strategy away from the event we felt this change would bring in some new storylines well if you if you feel like it bring in more storylines then why not just have no stage cautions <laughs> since you implemented this back in 2017 yeah or if you're going to tweak it don't move the goalposts in the middle of the season then you know what would be a perfect time to implement this? The all-star race. Yeah. <laughs> when you have something that fans have been asking for, for mm -hmm. no stage cautions the entire time, why not bring it in at a track where that was the old style of racing that so many older fans want? Yeah. Combine the two. Don't I, move the goalposts in the middle of the season. Put that in the all-star race. So these were, again... This rule change, it was, to be fair, it was announced before the season started. So just for everybody at home, the change that was made uh, for the last six or seven years in the NASCAR Cup Series, uh, it's been 
stage racing. So there's been usually three or sometimes four for the uh, Coke 600 uh, stages, usually in a race. And then with those stages, there's a caution flag that comes with that. You know, it bunches up the field again, ad breaks, pit stops, you know, you name it. But fans for the last couple of, ever since stage racing was introduced, uh, a lot of fans have been disheartened. They didn't like how the stages were changing the strategy of the road course races and it was segmenting them and it was kind of ruining the strategy uh, at a lot of these road course events and it was taking some of the fun out of what would be potentially great races so nascar this offseason makes the change it says only at road courses will there not be any caution accompanying the stage break and I don't know. <laughs> I think it's great for the for the for the road course races. I like the change, but I don't like the I don't know the pickiness. Where why not just have it for everything? I think it's better to have a uniform thing. Where I mean, they're even doing it with the short track package now. Where I mean, if you're just having a different package for you know three or four different styles of tracks, I I get even more annoyed when the point system is inconsistent where i think if you're running if you're having stage racing it should be one way or the other way either have stages with no cautions at every track which i think the fans would want i think the fans want that the the majority of them don't really want cautions to bunch up the field every single every single time i think the drivers would want that too teams drivers fans i think they're all in favor of this way that's being implemented maybe it is Maybe it is a stealth premiere of that. If it works well at the road courses, maybe it'll be implemented for next year. But I don't know. I don't like the inconsistency. I like the change. I, I think it'll be better for the road course races, but I don't like the inconsistency of enforcing it at some tracks, but then not other tracks. I agree with that. I love it. it. Oh, Justin. You... I love the idea of the no stage caution. Because I think what happened, I think when we got the situations, the fuel cycle's already pretty short. So they're obviously going to line up with the stage. Now you can't. That's not an automatic pit stop anymore. Now you're actually going to have to get creative. I think it's going to make the race more interesting. I'm all for it. I agree with that, honestly. It's just the the one thing that confuses me about this is NASCAR's the way that NASCAR went about doing it. I guess because if you're going to have no stage cautions and your entire point of making stages in the first place was to add more storylines and add more interest into a sport and bring in more casual fans, then what's the point of having stages in the first place if six years later you're just going to do away with, half do away with it, and basically take away the entire point that you made it in the first place? Even if it is better from a fan's perspective, I agree with both of you. I, I, I like the no-stage-caution way of doing it and i think it adds more strategy as justin said but just i, I don't know the the reasoning for it behind the reasoning behind doing it now with nascar is just a little confusing to me is all yeah i and yeah justin i agree with you too where uh it adds it not only adds more strategy but i think it makes the races more natural where you're not artificially re-racking the field during the middle of it, but you're still rewarding guys. Because the whole point of the stage system was to reward people that were running well throughout a race, so that you wouldn't hang back for the majority of it and then just try at the end. Uh, I think it implements that rule 
if that's truly what NASCAR was going for, debatable if it was or not, if that was truthful, but uh, I think it, it implements that rule to its truest extent where you're rewarding consistency without penalizing the drivers with cautions to break up the race and bunch everybody else up artificially. I think it's a good change, and man, I hope NASCAR implements this for the future. Uh, just across every series, if it's going to have stage racing in every series, this should be the way to go about it. It's the most fair. It's, without entirely being artificial, I think it's 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 the most fair way of implementing, quote-unquote, stage racing. All right, so just one more quick topic. What's your, uh, for the cup race on Sunday? Who's your pick to win? I'm just going to go with Chase Elliott because he's, he's, all, he's, he's always... Out. Oh, he's out? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's injured. <laughs> he's injured. Man, I, I, forgot, I'm, I forgot about that. I, Josh Berry. He's yeah, filling Josh in. Yeah, Josh Berry. Yeah, I, yeah that's, that's... I haven't watched... To be fair, I haven't watched... Hey, don't, live, don't worry. Live, I haven't watched live races in a couple of weeks for context, just mm-hmm. with everything else that is going on other than... NASCAR, mm-hmm. so it, that slipped my mind. These guys know more about the World Baseball Classic yeah. last night yeah, than... <laughs> I, that is also the other thing. I have been yeah, watching that, the World that, Baseball that, Classic that, way more, to be honest true. with you. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so Josh Berry's in the nine. He's done an okay job. I don't know about him on a road course. Then, then, then I'm going to go with Kyle Busch, because Kyle Busch also ran well in Circuit of the Americas last year, mm-hmm. and now that he's in a Chevy car, I, I, I think... I think those two are going to combine well. And Chevys were up front last year, too. Justin, who's your pick? I got, I got the two track house guys. I think you see Suarez or Chastain. They ran good there or last three year. three this weekend, all three of well, them. Well, the two regulars. Okay. Uh, they ran good last year at Circuit Americas. I think they'll have another good performance. You know. This weekend. I, I And I like that. I think Suarez, at, Suarez won at Sonoma last year. Chastain won here also. Uh, those cars are going to be strong. You know, for the fun pick. Uh, do I think he's actually going to win? Maybe. I want to. I want to. I want to throw a bone to Kimi Raikkonen. He ran impressively well at Watkins Glen, which is a track that F1 has not run at in since the 1970s. And he stepped into a Cup car after one test, got in, was running top 15 until he got wrecked uh, by not of his own doing. I think. Uh, th- and this is a track, Circuit of of, of the Americas. This is a track that Kimi Raikkonen has won on in F1 in recent years. He again, he retired from F1 a couple years ago, but this he won on this exact track. So, I, you know, he's pretty good at it. He knows his way around the track, and he knows how to drive these next-gen Cup cars well. I think he's a legitimate dark horse, and I'm very, very excited to see how Kimi Raikkonen does uh, this weekend. He might even win. I think with this also being the second time that he's running in these newer generation cars, I think that's also going to be another benefit to him as well, since this isn't the first time he's doing it now. He has experience. He's at a track, as you said, that he's had experience in before. Even if he doesn't win, I think he's going to be... uh, surprisingly closer to the front than people expect. Alright, that'll conclude Racing Roundtable. Uh, Justin Zimmer, Sean Kelly, thank you guys for coming on tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Alright, and with that, now the outro is rolling. That's going to conclude Speed Zone tonight. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, again, uh, next week it'll be back at the same time, 7, 7.30 around that point, uh, but we're going to have more racing talk for you next week. 
and uh, a lot more. Stay tuned. I mean, lots of racing happening this weekend. Tune in. Watch a race. Watch two races. Watch all of it. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time. You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network.